If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. In the Bible, we see sinners seeking God, but it also says that no one seeks after God, that Jesus came to seek the lost. Is the Bible contradicting itself? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah clears away the confusion as he continues his series, The Jesus You May Not Know. If you're seeking answers, stay tuned as David introduces today's message, Is He Seeking Us or Are We Seeking Him? You know, it's a very interesting discussion because it's a very um, very pragmatic question that's asked a lot today. I don't know how many times people have asked me if we have a seeker-sensitive church. Are we seeker-sensitive or are we seeker-driven? And, um, you know, I know what they mean by that, but I also know that there's an answer to that question that comes right from the Scripture. And we're going to talk about that answer today. Is he seeking us, or are we seeking him? Our passage of Scripture is John chapter 4, and uh, we'll look at that in a few moments as we open our Bibles together. Thank you so much for joining us today for our daily Bible study. I want to tell you about something that really excites me. You know, one of the great thrills I've had over the years is making sure that books get in the hands of people. A book is a permanent record. It never changes its mind. Uh, unless you get rid of it, it never goes away. It's always there. The print is there. It says the same thing today that it said when it was written. It is a permanent declaration of truth. And uh, and when I think about the books that are on shelves across the country, some of which I have written, it thrills me to know that long after I'm not here, those books will be here. They will be part of the legacy that goes on uh, teaching the Scripture. Just as many of the books in my library have blessed me, I am praying that God will use the books we have written to bless people for many years to come, unless Jesus comes first, which, of course, is way better. This book is one of those books, I think. It's called The Jesus You May Not Know. It examines the life of Jesus, and, well, it it digs into areas of the life of Jesus that are often left untouched as we study his life. Today, we're going to talk about one of those areas. It's the issue of Jesus as a seeker. And I want you to know that this book I'm talking about, this beautiful purple book with gold edges, uh, yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a beautiful book. This book is available to you for a gift of any size during the month of May. I know that some of you are strapped because you may have lost your job. I'm not asking you to do anything. Do what you can. Those of you who are able, if you can send a special gift, um, when you ask for this book, please do it. Send a gift of any size, and we'll send the book to you. Just ask for it when you send your gift. We want you to be encouraged and blessed and strengthened and built up. And my prayer for all of us is that we come out of this, this thing that we're in right now, much stronger than when we went in with our hands up high. I told a friend of mine who has this virus the other day, you will get through this, but you will never get over it. 
That's the way we should all feel about this. We'll get through it, but Lord God, help us not to get over it because we need to remember everything we've learned during these challenging days. Well, here we go with, is he seeking us or are we seeking him? Today, we're going to examine a story that is well known in the Bible. It's about Jesus crossing all kinds of barriers, going above and beyond to seek and to save someone. It's a story about our Lord's encounter with a woman. It is usually referred to as the woman at the well or the story of the Samaritan woman. And it is found, recorded for us in the first 30 verses of John chapter 4. Now, normally, we would stop and read the text, but this is a very long passage, and so we're going to read it together as we go through the story, so no reading ahead. (laughs) Stay with me, and we're going to learn something today about the nature of our wonderful Lord. The message is really divided into three sections. First, we're going to see how the Lord seeks us. Then we're going to learn how he saves us. And then we're going to learn how he sends us. So first of all, how the Lord seeks us. The first nine verses of John chapter 4. I remember back in the early 90s as a pastor here, we went through this phase in the church. How many of you know the church goes through phases of methodologies? How many of you remember the bus movement where everybody went to church on a bus? I know all kinds of stories about that. Well, we went through this phase, and it was called the seeker movement. And it was the idea that everybody out there is seeking after God, and if we can just connect with them, we can draw them into the gospel. So we ended up with seeker churches. Now, what happened was it just went to seed, and young, aggressive pastors were doing everything you can imagine that wasn't anything to do with what we normally knew as church, to attract people to come to their services. I remember one church where the pastor rode down the center aisle on a motorcycle in the service. Can you see me doing that? (laughs) Another church with which I am very familiar had a very interesting series on prayer in order to illustrate the importance of prayer. They brought a beach ball into the pulpit, and then they threw it out, and if it landed on your lap, you got to write your little prayer request on the beach ball and kick it off to somebody else. That's a prayer chain. I've never heard anything like that before in my life. All kinds of things like that were done to attract people out there who are not normally attracted by the gospel. And I remember as I traveled around from place to place during those days, People would ask me, is Shadow Mountain a seeker-sensitive church, or is it a seeker-driven church? What kind of church is Shadow Mountain? And one day I was reading the Scripture, and I read these words in Romans 3.11. There is no one who seeks after God. Hmm. Everybody go, hmm. The Bible talks about sinners seeking God. Let's truly understand that. And it also talks about God-seeking sinners. But when you put the two of those together, it's pretty clear that the only way we can ever seek him is if he seeks us first. It's kind of like the love quotient. We love him because he first loved us. Luke 19.10 tells us exactly how this works. For here is our Lord's mission statement as he came to this earth. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man has come 
to seek and to save that which was lost. So now when people ask me if we're a seeker-friendly church, I say, oh, yes, our seeker is Jesus, and we're pretty friendly with him. Uh, So that's how you answer that question. The Bible everywhere supports this wonderful truth, men and women, that Jesus is the seeker. He seeks after you, and he seeks after me. We may think that we sought Jesus and came to him, but before we ever sought him, he sought us. He was, first of all, seeking after us. And many people were honest when they became Christians and said, I wasn't even looking for the Lord. He came and he got me. He sought after me. So today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, and we're going to see how our Lord seeks after us. And what we learn from chapter 4 in the Gospel of John is that Jesus seeks after us no matter where we are, no matter what we are, and no matter who we are. Jesus has no boundaries to his determination to come and bring us to himself. We set up walls between us. We set up boundaries around our lives. We say, I'll go witness to those people, but I'm not witnessing to those people. I'll love this group, but I can't love that. Jesus had no boundaries whatsoever, as you shall see as we go through this passage of Scripture together. First of all, he seeks us past racial divides. In the first six verses of John chapter 4, we read, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now John tells us that Jesus is making a journey from Judea to Galilee. If you had a map, you would notice that to go from Judea to Galilee, the direct route is right through the center of Samaria. But many of you may know that the Jews hated the Samaritans, and no self-respecting Jew would ever go through Samaria for any reason. They would take a journey way up around the tip of Samaria and then come back into Galilee so that they wouldn't have to walk anywhere on Samaritan ground. The Jews hated the Samaritans, and the feeling was mutual. The bitter hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans was long-standing. You see, back in 721 B.C., the Assyrians came through the northern kingdom of Israel and swept many Israelites away in captivity to Assyria. The Assyrians also repopulated the region with people throughout their empire, and the remaining Israelites were mixed in with the Persians and the other conquered peoples, and paganism became mixed with countless other practices and Samaria became an infamous region known for its impurity. In 587 B.C., the Babylonians came and took the southern kingdom of Israel away in captivity. And during the time that the southern kingdom of Israel was captive by the Babylonians, they were of absolutely pure Jewish blood. They never married with the Babylonians. 
Now get this picture. The Jews are returning to their homeland, and the Israelites from the southern kingdom had not intermarried. And they began to hate the Israelites from the northern kingdom because when they settled after the Syrian captivity, they intermarried with the Syrians. And so a tremendous tension grew up between the pure Israelites who had come out of Babylonian captivity but had not intermarried with the Babylonians and the Israelites who had been taken away by the Assyrians but married into the Assyrian culture all of the paganism and idolatry and all. So in their minds, here was pure Israel and here was the impure, corrupted Israelites. And so the northern kingdom had nothing to do with the southern kingdom and the hatred was so great they would really walk a hundred miles out of their way not to step on the territory known as Samaria. Now, we have a lot of racial hatred in our world today, but none of us any worse than that. That was pretty bad. But notice when Jesus made his journey to Galilee, the shortest route was through Samaria, and the Bible says that Jesus didn't take the detour. He didn't go around the top of the land and come back into Galilee. He went right through the center of Samaria. Now, please note, Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. He was an Orthodox Jew, and he walked right through what the Jewish people thought was an unholy land made up of Jews who had intermarried with Assyrians. Jesus was a Jew, and the woman he was going to meet, the woman he was seeking, was a Samaritan. But Jesus looked past the racial divide, and when he saw this woman at the well of Sychar, he didn't see a Jew, he didn't see a Samaritan, he saw a person for whom Christ died who needed to hear the gospel. Would that we could get that in our hearts today. That God cares little about the color of our skin or the tongue that we speak or our racial differences. He died for the whole world, and he sees the whole world just like he sees any one person. And we ought to have that view as well. We ought not to say, well, I couldn't go minister to those people. Jesus went across the racial barrier to touch the life of a needy woman. He not only seeks past our racial barriers, he seeks past our social divide. Verses 7 and 8 tell us that a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. When Jesus sat down at the well that day and talked with this Samaritan woman, he not only went past a racial divide, he went past a social divide. In that culture in which Jesus was living in that day, a Jewish man never spoke to a woman in public. Believe it or not, they couldn't even talk to their wives or their sisters. The only woman that a Jewish man could speak to in public was his daughter. During Jesus' day, there was a group of Pharisees who not only refused to talk to a woman in public, they took it a step further and refused to look at a woman in public. Whenever they would see a woman in the distance, they would close their eyes. And they became known as the bruised and bleeding Pharisees because they kept running into buildings and stones and rocks. That's a real true statement from history. 
But Jesus was different. He was different than all of the people that he represented in Judaism. Throughout his earthly ministry, he was regularly in the company of women. In fact, Jesus had many female disciples, which would have shocked his contemporaries. When we consider the social times Jesus was living in, the way he treated women was so different from the way everyone else treated women. Jesus elevated women to a status way above what they were normally treated in his day. And the Gospels include the examples of Jesus healing and forgiving women who were ritually unclean, who were Gentiles, who were sinners, women who had lost everything. He never rebuked them for acting like women, and he never made fun of them or purposefully avoided them. Instead, Jesus welcomed women. He included women. He called women to receive salvation. He treated them the way he treated everyone, engaging them in conversation, telling them about himself, and offering them the plan of salvation. So when Jesus went across Samaria to the well at Sychar and sat down that day with the woman, he's now violated two boundaries which controlled his day. Number three, he seeks us past the cultural divide. Verse 9 says, The woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. There you have it. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the right way, Jesus was a rule breaker. He was a cultural revolutionary. He shattered the norms of his day. And while his fellow Jews were taking alternative routes to avoid going through Samaria, he cut through the middle of this hostile territory. And while the average person would steer clear of a contagious leper, Jesus would walk right up to him and reach out his hand, and he became probably the first person in years to touch a dying leper. Jesus made a tax collector his disciple. Are you kidding me? He involved women in helping fund his ministry. And everywhere you look, he's crashing through the barriers that society was putting up around everyone. Jesus healed the servant of a Roman soldier, would you believe? He featured a hated Samaritan as the hero of one of his stories. The Good Samaritan, have you ever thought about that? He condemned the rich and the powerful, and he lifted up the poor and the oppressed. Jesus had come to seek those left behind by everyone else. From the AIDS ward to the homeless shelter, no human being is an untouchable in the eyes of God. He did not come to pamper and puff up the found. He came to seek and to save the lost. And for Jesus, that's all that mattered. They were a human being who needed salvation. Should that not be our method as well? Should we not look at this world of men and women who are lost and need Christ and realize nothing really matters except one thing? Show them Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. Help them to know how to go to heaven. That's what Jesus did. Then, finally, this may be the most profound of all, he seeks us past racial divides, past the social divide, past the cultural divide, and finally, past the moral divide. Now, let me remind you again, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. We know from this story that the Samaritan woman was living in an immoral relationship. 
The Bible teaches us in John chapter 4 that this particular woman had been married to five different men. And she was currently living with the sixth man who wasn't her husband. Yet here was the holiest man who ever walked on this earth, the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest rabbi in history, and he's sitting at a well speaking freely with her as though he was having a conversation among equals. Jesus broke through the moral divide in pursuing this Samaritan woman. Why? Because Jesus did not come to save those who were holy. Jesus came to save those who were sinners. The Bible says it this way, and Mark and Luke, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus didn't come to make religious people better. Jesus came to make sinners saints. Luke says it this way, I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Jesus you may not know gladly broke all kinds of barriers to make new friends. He crossed racial, social, cultural, and moral divides so that he could seek and save the lost. How Jesus seeks us. Let me ask you plainly today, do you have some unconfessed prejudices? Very easy today in this culture to be prejudiced. Are there people you simply just don't like? If we're going to seek the lost like Jesus, we have to overcome the barriers and take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we must do so compelled by the radical love of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we are in eternity someday, all these things we disagree about right now on this earth will seem so petty and unimportant. And we'll look back, many of us, for that period of time before he washes away all of our sinful thoughts, and we'll remember how we sometimes treated people unfairly just because they were not like us. Jesus sets the tone for all the racial issues people want to talk about today. For him, the only difference was the difference between a sinner saved by grace and a sinner that needs to be saved by grace. That was it. So that's how Jesus seeks us, and that's how we're to seek others. Notice, secondly, how Jesus saves us, and the story in John 4 continues. We're about to see some things Jesus did with this Samaritan woman as he tried to reach her heart. If you happen to be a person who likes to share your faith, maybe you consider yourself an evangelist or a witness. There's no passage in the Scripture that you can turn to that will help you more than this one. Here is the way Jesus got to someone's heart. First of all, he identifies with our humanity. First thing Jesus did upon meeting the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well was to ask her for a drink of water. Verse 6 says, He sat down by the well because he was weary from walking such a long way. He had sent the disciples into Sychar to buy food. So Jesus was hungry and thirsty and weary, and the humanity of Jesus could not have been more plain to see. For that reason, the Samaritan woman identified with him, not as God, but as a fellow human being who needed some water and some rest. How many of you know that when God Almighty wanted to send love to us from heaven, he didn't send it in a book, 
He didn't send it in the Holy Spirit. He sent his love to us in a human being, someone just like we are. He lived and walked on this earth, and as we learned earlier, he will be forever in his humanity in heaven. That is the reason God did that. He sent someone to share with us his love, and he sent the gift in such a way that we would identify with it. We identify with Jesus. We see him as we see ourselves, yet he was apart from sin. So Jesus sat down that day at the well, and he identified with this woman in his humanity. The Father sent the Son into the world that we might identify with him. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll have more of this tomorrow as we finish up this discussion. Is he seeking us or are we seeking him? On Friday, part one of is he praying for us or are we praying to him? Now, I told you at the beginning, all of these questions have the same answer. And the answer is yes. Both of these things are true, but we put them in the format that we did to pique your attention and and drive you deeper into the Scripture and into the knowledge of who Jesus is. Once again, as we close out today's program, let me remind you that you can get a copy of this book, The Jesus You May Not Know, for a gift of any size. When you send your gift to Turning Point during the month of May, just ask for this book. And my friend, if you have never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, do it today. Don't let another day pass without having Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And we'll see you right here tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Jesus You May Not Know, please visit our website where we offer two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's new book, The Jesus You May Not Know. It's written to help you reconnect with Christ and rediscover the joy of your salvation. And it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard Version and New International Version, as well as in standard or large print in the New King James, filled with helpful notes and articles by Dr. Jeremiah. Get the details when you contact us today. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Jesus You May Not Know, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Thank you for your prayers and support of Turning Point. We invite you to make an even bigger impact by becoming one of our Bible Strong partners, a special group whose support of the ministry is crucial in helping Dr. David Jeremiah deliver the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. Turning Point is committed to presenting sound biblical teaching all across Canada. And when you stand with us in partnership, we also commit to you to provide you with empowering resources to keep you Bible strong. When you set up your online account at davidjeremiah.ca slash biblestrong, you will have instant access to Dr. Jeremiah's topical living library audio messages and his companion booklets, exclusive club resources, and our quarterly Influencing Your World newsletter. You can also purchase additional study guides at a 50% discount for personal or small group studies with our convenient one-click checkout. Plus, join our exclusive Facebook page. You will have special access to new audio podcasts and additional content from Dr. Jeremiah. Join with other Bible Strong partners today by committing to give 
$25 or more each month. Your prayers and donations are the backbone of Turning Point, keeping us Bible strong. For more information or to join, visit our website today at davidjeremiah.ca slash Biblestrong. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb.com. 